Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining us today. And I really love the Friday broadcast because it's one day closer to Sunday. And I remind you, it's Friday, but Sunday is coming. And this Sunday, why don't you come worship with us at Hickory Ridge Community Church? We have a nine o'clock service or a 1045 service, identical services. We have children's ministry in both services. We have a youth Sunday school class. Uh, We have opportunities for you to come and worship with us. I'd love to see you this Sunday. Just come into the big glass doors that has the sign above that says, welcome home. And uh, we'll do everything we can to make you feel right at home if you come to worship with us this weekend. Well, today I'm talking about belief number three, and we're going through a series called 30 Beliefs That Every Believer Should Strongly Believe In. Belief number one is that God is real. Belief number two is that I can have a personal relationship with Him. And today we're going to talk about the fact that God has a plan for your life. Now, I want you to know that not only does God have a plan for your life, but so does Satan. So let's kind of begin with his plan, and then we'll look at God's plan, okay? In Ephesians chapter 2, in verses 1 through 3, it says, and Paul is writing, he says, you were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and in your sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom you were once lived in the passions of your flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and you were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Uh, So here we see there's three little things that we can focus on in Satan's plan, okay? So first of all, we see a a change that takes place because of God. But before we get to that, we see that we were dead, right? We were dead in our trespasses and sin. Now, death is a terrible thing. I don't even like to talk about death. I don't like to attend funerals. Uh, I don't like to have anything to do with death. But before we knew Christ, we were dead. We were dead in our trespasses and our sins. Not only were we dead, but we were drifting. You ever notice that dead things drift? A fish that is dead will drift down the river. He can't go uh, against the flow. He's just going right along with the flow. And so when you're dead in your trespasses and your sins, you're following the course of the world. You're just drifting along, going along to getting along. You're following the prince of the air. You're following the spirit of the world, those who are following the sons of disobedience. Now, you don't even think you're going with the flow. You're just there, right? Drifting along. Number three, we are doomed, right? He says, you were children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Now, that's pretty tough stuff, isn't it? And as a result of that, you are going to spend eternity separated from God. Because we're dead in our sins, we're drifting along, following the course of this world. We are doomed, children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But there's uh, two words that interrupt this, but God. But God. Isn't that so good to know that God comes along and God's plan is much different than Satan's plan. God comes along and he has a plan for our lives. Let's read it in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. But God. Oh, I love that phrase, but God. I was dead in my trespasses and sin, but God. I was doomed. I was going to be destined to be separated, but God came along. I should have suffered the consequences. Uh, I should have been doomed, but God came along, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive with Christ 
By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming of ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And then we love verse number eight. For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of your own doing. It is the gift of God not as a result of work, so that nobody can boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, as I look at this passage of Scripture, I am just so overwhelmed with the grace of God. And I could spend a lot of time talking about how God worked in our lives, but I want to give you four steps to have spiritual growth in your life. We learn that God can commend his love toward us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it's all because of God's mercy, as a result of the life that he gives us, driven by his grace and the kindness of a Savior, that we receive salvation. That's kind of the summary of Ephesians verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. Ephesians 2 verses 4, 5, 6, 7, and 8, going into verse number 9. And so let's look at the four steps toward understanding what spiritual growth is, understanding the plan that God has for our life. Step number one, we covered that in verses 1 through 3, is that we were wandering from God. We were like zombies. We were like dead men walking. Amos put it this way. They wander from sea to sea and from north even to the east. They run back and forth, and and they will seek the word of the Lord, and they will not find it. You see, the prophet Amos lived with a bunch of shepherds, and they were living in a very small town about 10 miles south of Jerusalem. Now, Amos made it clear in his writings that that he didn't come from a family of prophets. Uh, He didn't even consider himself one. Rather, he was a grower of sycamore figs. In the book of Amos, uh, there's basically four easy points that he's trying to give to his people. In chapter number one, going into chapter number two, uh, there's this introduction, and Amos is identifying himself, and and he prophesies as to what is going to happen uh, as a result of his preaching, and he announces that judgment is going to fall upon the surrounding people, upon those who are, are native to Judah, and upon Samaria. Judgment is going to fall on the Gentiles for the offenses that they had against all of humanity, violations against natural law, and as a result of these violations, Judah and Israel are going to be judged. And they're going to be judged because they have rejected the divine revelation that God gave to them. And so we look at the first thing is the introduction, and it's talking about the social collapse. And as a matter of fact, there is a strong analogy to where we are here in the United States, going against natural law. You know, we don't talk a whole lot about natural law anymore, but our founding fathers understood natural law, and they realized there's certain things that are naturally wrong to do. For example, taking somebody's life. Natural law says that is wrong. Even matters of sexuality. Natural law says certain things are wrong. It's wrong for a man to have a relationship sexually with another man. It goes against natural law, not to mention spiritual law and not to mention divine revelation. So Amos begins by talking about what was going to happen as he made this prophecy that judgment was going to fall. Secondly, Amos makes a proclamation 
to the privileges that Samaria had. In spite of these privileges, the nation was sinful, and they turned this privilege into a ground upon which makes the basis of of judgment. In other words, God was so good to them, but in spite of the goodness of God, they rejected the law of God. You know, privilege involves God's people in penalty. And so Amos insists that the status quo could not save them, that the day of the Lord was going to come along them. It was going to bring darkness to them, not light, because they had rejected the light. They had these privileges that were given them. And I I think about here in the United States where there's a church in every corner. There's the Bible that is proclaimed. There is more opportunities to hear God's word on wonderful radio stations like this and podcasts. And we have been given so many privileges. But for the most part, we're rejecting those. The third part of the book of Amos talks about the five judgments that were going to fall. Amos gives these five visions, and and each one of these judgments is set forth in an order of a symbol. Uh, For example, the first judgment was locust, and and as they see, the locust was coming up. uh, That was a a judgment upon the fact that they were worshiping the fact that they could produce things. And and here God says, okay, I'm going to bring about locusts to destroy your crops. And and then there's fire, and, and then there's a plumb line. The fire represents God's wrath against the people who have rejected him. And he's saying, oh, you you want to burn with passion to go against nature, against natural law. I'm going to cause fire to come down and and to consume you. And then he talks about a plumb line. And he uses a plumb line. And builders know what a plumb line is. It's to keep the wall straight when they're building it. And so the plumb line is used to remind the people that they're not lining up according to God's word. And then there's going to be the summer fruit. Uh, that is going to be defiled, uh, not produce as much as it should. And and then there's a a picture of a defiled sanctuary where they have brought into into their very worship services things that should never be brought into the sanctuary of God. And, And so Amos is revealing himself as a legal prosecutor of God's people. He's laying out the five visions of judgment, and he's saying, here is why you're guilty. And then Amos concludes his book by talking about the mercifulness of God and how although judgment was going to fall, God would restore David's kingdom. And it's this challenge that when you're wandering from the Lord, Amos says, you wandered from sea to sea, from north, even to the east, and they're going to run back and forth, and they're going to seek for the word of the Lord, and they're not going to be able to find it. And so I want to challenge you today that maybe procrastination is your sin. Somebody said this about procrastination. Procrastination is my sin. It brings me near not but sorrow. I know that I should stop it. In fact, I will tomorrow. Amos was dealing with the people that were constantly procrastinating, and Paul comes along, and he wants us to know that we were wandering from God. We were dead men walking. But God has awakened us. There's a second part that we look at when we look at at understanding how we are to grow spiritually. We no longer wander from God. And then number two, we no longer are sleeping. We're awakened to God. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 and 6. He says, it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. And he says, now salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. 
I love that theme. Wake up, right? Uh, sometimes in church, I have to remind my congregation, hey guys, wake up, wake up. You know, the, the time is near. Salvation is, don't fall asleep in the message. Wake up. And Joel had that theme. Uh, Joel 1 5 says, wake up, you drunkards. He said, wake up and well. Well, for all you drinkers of wine, well, because of the new wine and the wake up call. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.10 that he died so that we, whether awake or asleep, may be living with him together up in heaven. Oh, this awakening. You know, sometimes people will talk about the fact that they don't see God moving anywhere. You see, I have just the opposite problem. I see God moving everywhere. Even in times of complacency, I see God getting ready to wake up his people, getting ready to do a mighty work. The third step is that now that we're awake, it's one thing to be awake, it's one thing to be watching. Uh, we're told to watch and look and see see where God is moving. Watch to see where God is uh, doing his work in, and, and then jump on board with what he's doing. You know, in the book of Romans, the Roman believers were showing contempt for the riches of God, for the forbearance and for the patience of God. You see, they thought that God wasn't involved in their lives and And they weren't looking for him to be involved in their lives, but they didn't realize that God in his kindness was giving them kindness with the intent of leading them to repentance. You know, we're told to keep watch because we don't know when the Lord is going to return. In Matthew 24, 42, Jesus makes this this alarming statement that we must keep watch because we don't know when he's going to return. In Matthew 26, 41, it says, Watch and pray that you'll not fall into temptation. You know, the spirit is very willing, but the flesh is weak. I think there's a fourth step to being involved in this plan of God and and that you've got to actually work with him. Now, don't work against him. Work with him. You see, he gave himself to us to redeem us. And he's got a, a wonderful work in plan for us that he has placed before the foundation of the world, just as our salvation was planned before the foundation of the world, so is also the work that God has for us. When Tyler Moon lined up to be involved in a 10-mile race, he decided that he would write a very inspirational message, and he placed different names, and he says, I want to put something that will inspire people. So on the front of his bib that he was wearing, he printed the word, Jesus saves. And it's ironic that we noticed that, and just last night in my small group, we were talking about how can we share our faith wherever we go. And one of the ladies says, well, why don't we go around and get bumper stickers that says Jesus loves or Jesus saves? And we got in a debate, which, which one would be most appropriate, Jesus saves or Jesus loves? And then we decided that both of them would be good. And so we said, maybe we need to come up with a bumper sticker that says Jesus loves and Jesus saves. Well, Tyler Moon, when he lined up for this 10-mile race, had printed those words, Jesus saves on his rib. As he approached the mile eight on this 10-mile race, and this otherwise healthy 25-year-old collapsed. He suffered a heart attack. His heart started pumping blood for approximately 10 seconds after he experienced an, an irregularly fast heartbeat. Now, the odds of surviving an out-of-hospital cardiac arrest are very low. But fortunately, Moon had somebody right behind him who could help. A certified registered nurse was hot on his heels. And when Moon collapsed, this nurse rushed over, assessed the situation, and began CPR. Several of the other runners stopped to assist, 
until the paramedics arrived. Ironically, the man who was the runner who saved Moon's life, Jesus, you know, and he said this, we all work together, explaining that a large group of people stopped running to help Moon. It went pretty darn smooth, he said in the scheme of things. Moon later shared on the Today Show, the fact that God placed all these wonderful people, these incredible human beings right behind me, it's amazing to think of them and what they've done for me. I hope that the people are encouraged to take the CPR class to help a stranger, he said, to help somebody who's need. That's the big message I really want to get across. And he said, I want people to never forget that Jesus does save. What a way to get the message out, realizing that God is always at work. You know, as you look at your life, sometimes you may wonder, is God really at work? Is he doing what he has promised to do? Listen, throughout the Bible, we see people who are blessed beyond measure. I think about the story of Jacob in Genesis chapter 31. You know, Jacob worked for Rachel, and then he was deceived by Laban, and he had his wages changed 10 times. Now, he could have been filled with resentment, and he could have said, you know, your father deceived me and changed my wages 10 times, but this is what he said. But God suffered him not to hurt me. Don't you love that? In spite of this intention to be hurt by Laban, Jacob looks at that situation and says, God suffered him not to hurt me. Oh, I love that. Now, Joseph could have taken revenge on his betraying brothers. I remember how many times they lied about him, they betrayed him, they sold him into slavery. But that's not how Joseph responded. In Genesis chapter 50, verse number 20, Joseph says, you know what? As for you, you thought evil against me. He didn't deny the fact that they were coming against him and they intended evil against him. He recognized that. He realized that. He admitted that. He says, but God meant it to good. He says he, he had to get me to Egypt so that he could bring to pass, as to this day, to save much people alive. You know, the people of Israel, when they were under the tyranny of Egypt for 400 years, in Acts chapter 7, verse 9, it says, and the, and the patriarchs say they were moved to envy when they sold Joseph into Egypt, but the gods with him. And Exodus 13 says that God led the people about the way through the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, and God parted the Red Sea. You see, when we think about the difficulties that we go through, God always has a bigger purpose. God always looks at the end. And we get stuck sometimes in the middle. God always brings things together for good. The Bible says all things work together for good. Not all things are good. You remember when Samson was being pursued by the Philistines and and he was worn to a frazzle. He was about to die of thirst. He was almost dead from dehydration. In Judges 15, 19, it says, But God clave on a, a holy place. There was in the jaw, and then water came out of it. And God gave him a drink from that jaw. And his spirit came back to him again, and he revived. That is actually a, a special name for that place. And that name is that God is our provider. In the midst of our, of our thirst, in the midst of our feeling abandoned, God always comes along at just the right time. You see, that's how it is. David said, you know, 
My flesh and my heart may be failing, but God is the strength of my heart. He is my portion forever. Solomon says that the righteous man will wisely consider the house of the wicked, but God overthrows the wicked for their wickedness. You see, eventually God settles the score. He always does. He always comes through at just the right time. So today, as I think about the plan that God has for your life, I don't know where you are in fulfilling God's plan for your life, but I know he's not hiding that plan from you. I know that he wants you to know exactly what he wants for your life. In John 9, 4, it tells us that we must quickly go about the task that God has sent us to because the night is coming when no man can work. As you think about the opportunities that God has placed before you, will you seize these opportunities? Will you take advantage of these opportunities? Will you take advantage of what God has placed before you right now? You know, I think that many times we delay things. And we say, well, I'm going to serve the Lord whenever I I get around to it. You know, many years ago, I was in a church and we had a a campaign and, and we wanted to invite people to the church and we discovered we would go invite people to church, and they'd always say, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm planning on coming. Whenever I get around to it, I'm going to come to church. And, and so we came up with these little round circular things, and, and, uh, and they almost like, looked like coins. And, and we wrote on these coins, they were round to it. And so we'd tell people, hey, we're having a special Sunday, and, uh, and we're calling it Round to It Sunday. And we had a date that was on that little coin, and we said, we'd like to invite you. And, and we know that, that when we invite people to church, they're always getting around to it to come into church, but they never get around to it. And we said, would you get around to it this Sunday? You know, we had over 50 new people that came to church that Sunday. They took the challenge to get around to it. Maybe as you look at your life today, you've been intending to do a whole lot of things, but you haven't followed through. Well, why not today get around to it? Why not today say, I'm going to go ahead and take the challenge and I'm going to follow through with God's plan for my life. I'm going to be no longer wandering from God like a zombie dead man. I'm going to be walking with him. I'm no longer going to be one who is who is asleep, but I'm going to wake up and I'm going to wake up from my sleep because my salvation is nearer now than when I first believed. And I'm going to follow through and I'm going to do what God's called me to do. I'm going to look out and I'm going to see where God is working. And I'm going to jump on board with exactly what he's doing in my life and what he wants me to do in my life. And I'm not going to show contempt for the riches of his kindness. I am going to follow through and I'm going to watch for him working in my life. And then I'm going to jump on board and I'm going to work with him. Realizing that he gave himself to redeem me from all wickedness. And I'm going to be one who is eager to do what is good as I work with the Lord. You know, as I look at our culture today, I think that it's not going to be too much longer until the Lord comes again. I tell people often that I'm not looking for the undertaker, I'm looking for the upper taker. I believe that the rapture of the churches is going to take place very soon, the imminent return of Christ. So my question to you on this Friday, are you ready? Are you ready to, to meet the Lord? You know, life is very short. James says our life is as a vapor, this little steam that appears for a little while, and then it's gone. You know, I've discovered in life that, that we come into life with some questions and, and, and that we want answered. And I think we all have about the same questions. And question number one is, how in the world did I get here? Well, I want you to know you got here because God created you. God made you in his image. And, and God is the one that brought life to you. 
you know, when I think about the wonderness of life and how beautiful life is, you know, I had the joy of being there when my children came into this world, and what a joy it is to see new life enter into the world. You know, the, another question that, that people ask not only is, is uh, well, how in the world did I get here, but what in the world am I supposed to do while I'm here? Maybe that's you. You're wandering around saying, what in the world am I supposed to do uh, in this life? Well, I want you to know that God has a purpose for you. That purpose is to glorify Him in everything that you do, everything that you say, and all that you do for Him. The chief end of man is to glorify God. Hate evil and glorify God. And then the last question I think we all ask ourselves is, what in the world is going to happen to me when I leave this world? You know, the Bible says, it's appointed unto man once to die, after this to judgment. The Bible also says that if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can spend eternity with Him. Just call upon His name today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Why don't you call on Him today? And if you have questions about how to do this or what this means, why don't you give me a call at 252-267-2365. If it's easier for you to send me a text, that's great too. 252-267-2365. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. I look forward to talking to you on Monday. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.